Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to the Deep Drive in the Left Field podcast. My name is Jack. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at LME Nerds. I'm here with my co-host, James. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at James Valentinas. We have a very special guest with us today, uh, Casey Stern, uh, host of the Unfiltered podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Make sure you go give him a follow on Twitter at Casey Stern, just his name. Casey, how's it going today, man? Good, good to be with you guys, man. How are you guys doing? Okay. Awesome. Couldn't be better. Yeah, we're doing great. Um, so just to get started here uh, on the trade deadline. So the first couple of things that happened, you know, the first deal of the of the whole um, the whole deadline was Andrew Benintendi going to the Yankees. Um, Casey, I know you're a Mets fan, right? From yes, yep. What I've listened, uh, I listened to the last episode of your podcast just as a like as a preview here. Um, yeah, so, but I know Jack's a Yankees fan. I was wondering how he felt more so about the, the Benintendi deal just to get started here. Yeah, so, I mean, with Benintendi, I, I think he's a good pickup. You know, he's not going to hit for much power, but he's going to get on base. You know, he plays good defense. He runs the bases pretty decently. Uh, and you didn't give up too much. You gave up, a, you know, three kind of lottery ticket prospects, um, Way, Sakima, and uh, Champlain, all pretty good pitchers like they're they're obviously lottery tickets and i don't really have too much faith in the royals pitching development to develop them but they want if one of them is good like you're, you're happy with that because benintendi is an expiring contract you know um so i would say it's, it's good for both sides i, I don't really think that the royals could have gotten much more and i think the yankees you know need a replacement for joey gallo who's going to be out in the next couple of days yeah definitely um for for benintendi obviously uh expiring contract uh the whole vaccination status was up in the air, but I think they've kind of resolved that from what I read. Um, he's he's not vaccinated, but I don't think they really care because they don't really anticipate playing the Jays in the playoffs, and the Jays are the only one more series in Toronto. Right. So, um, and then obviously, uh, finish, Jack. I think he he said that he may get it. He's like kind of open or whatever to it, so he may get right. it. Um, and then of course, if we uh. If we move on, I think the, the biggest trade so far has obviously been uh, Luis Castillo going to the Mariners. Um, I can get started here if you guys uh, don't mind, but Castillo, I think for them, like, I know they gave up a lot, right? Uh, Noel V. Marte is a top 10 prospect in all of baseball, um, kind of filling out the body, probably not a shortstop, more of a third baseman, but obviously great bat there. Uh, he'll probably be up MLB ready within the next two, three years, but not he's not really that close. For, um, for Seattle, and I think that this actually is a huge deal for them because, you know, Ryan and I were talking about this last episode uh, with the Mariners and how they needed a starting pitcher to kind of solidify their playoff chances and their chances to go deep in the playoffs, and I really think this does that. And you get the extra year. Kind of reminds me of the Blue Jays going after Barrios um, last year. Uh, very similar trade where you give up, like, one of your top prospects in Austin Martin and then Noel B. Marte, but I think – uh, they probably look to extend Castillo, and he'll be there for a while, um, from what I've, uh, like, seen. Yeah. Casey, what are your thoughts overall on the Castillo deal? You know, who do you think won the deal? And, and you know, what's your favorite part about it for, I would say, the Reds? Well, the most important thing, I think, <clears throat> for any of this is the fact that the Mariners haven't been in the playoffs in 21 years. Absolutely. And when you go back to Toronto – 
the year before Alex Anthopoulos ended up getting that team for the first time in 20 years into the postseason, Jose Bautista had complained, as did others in the clubhouse, because they didn't make a move. They were two games out behind the Orioles at the time where the deadline passed without a move. They lost by 15 games by the time the season was over because they were close and didn't push. The next year when they made the 10-player deal, ended up bringing players in. Bautista and company got to the postseason for the first of three years in a row. Seattle has not been there in 21 years. This deal is about getting that franchise with an all-star game coming next year into the postseason. And I think it was up to, from executives, it was really down to the Yankees and Mariners for Castillo. And I expect Frankie Montas to become a Yankee. If not, it'll be St. Louis. But it was down to Seattle and New York for Castillo. And the Mariners had a choice they had to make. They were in on Soto. They had to either trade their prospects to try and push for the pitcher or work on Soto. I don't think they knew that Julio Rodriguez was going to go down two days later to the IL. So obviously that doesn't help, but I think for Seattle to push ahead. And I, I saw people say they got the best rotation in baseball. Right. They don't, as long as DeGrom's healthy, no one other than the, the team that, that I watch has that. And that doesn't mean any guarantee, but it's just being honest. Um, I think, however, it does put them in a position to have a chance to get into the postseason. And the money that that franchise will make from a business perspective, getting back into the playoffs is massive. It's way more than anything that we talk about with trade value. That's the biggest part of this trade. For the red side of it, they had to try and maximize the best they could. And I think between Marte and Arroyo, having two guys who they believe can be middle infield, middle of the order bats, they need to start stockpiling those players because the Reds are most likely not going to win for another five seasons. And they've got to have some impact players to get them closer. They feel like they have one, if not two. I'm not sure on Arroyo yet, but I think Marte is going to be a really good player. Yeah, and my understanding is that the Yankees and Reds, kind of that morning of when the deal broke, was it like, what, Friday or Saturday in the morning? Um, the, the Yankees were refusing to give up uh, Volpe, and then the Mariners jumped in with uh, Marte. So that was my understanding of the deal, and then that's kind of what what happened? And I can give you a direct quote from Brian Cash when, he, when the Reds asked for Volpe. He said, "You're insane." So that wasn't really happening with Volpe and um, with Peraza. I mean, he he might be elsewhere. My understanding is he he may not be in the Oakland deal, which is going to probably be announced soon. Um, but yeah, so uh, it'll it'll be interesting to see what they do with Peraza. I think they may call him up for IKF, who's not very good at this point. Um, but off the Yankees, I, I, I hate to go there because I'm a Yankees fan. So no, I'll, go I, there. Hey, look, if I were you. I'd go there. I mean, they're, they're a team right. that they, they got they a chance to win the World team. Series and they're pushing. We and that's it. all you want. And I'll say this about from what I heard about, the, which is interesting, you know, in doing this the last 20 years, prospects, they're so subjective. One, one team could see one player one way. So the Nationals are not that high on Volpe. Of all people, like, I don't know why, but yeah. he, they don't, they're not jumping at the idea of even if the Yankees were to give him an Asoto deal, him being in it. But there was a desire for Marte. If the Mariners would have played with him as part of it, they could have played in the Soto sweepstakes. So it's really interesting because you're right. Yet from the Mariners perspective, they have in the Soto scenario, they actually would have been in a better spot. The Yankees prospect who they're not willing to deal was not even seen that highly. The Mariners group was really in, in terms of with DC and their conversations. So it'll be interesting to see now, can the Mariners hit enough? And is Castillo going to be enough to drag them into the playoffs? Because they really were a player on Soto and the Mariners definitely had a very good chance to get Soto if they wanted to. I think you can make the argument for the Mariners that getting Castillo might actually be a better acquisition, obviously not a better acquisition, but a better fit. Um, than Soto, I think. Uh, you know, you got a guy, Rodriguez, out in the outfield anyways, who um, obviously I don't even think if I'm Seattle, I'd trade him one for one. Um, yeah, I agree. 
And so obviously he wouldn't have been included in the trade, but I think bolstering this pitching staff is actually more important for them than getting in the out, getting another outfielder, especially um, obviously Cal, uh, is pending. Like we don't know how good he'll be or if he's even like, yeah, obviously with the Mets a few years ago, and this is why trading prospects is so risky um, from a, from like the team getting a per perspective is like Kalanick was supposed to be a slam dunk. And here we are a few years later and we have no idea like what that outlook is. He hasn't been great in the majors. Uh, he's had a couple injury issues, obviously he's still very young and there's still potential there. But um, I think that getting Castillo kind of, you can go into a, a playoff series and now be comfortable with him as your ace and Ray as your two. Um, obviously that's not the best rotation in baseball and you know, uh, those takes are kind of outlandish, but it definitely is uh, one that you're comfortable with in the playoffs, especially going up against a team like the Astros or Yankees um, in a potential ALDS or CS series. Yeah. I mean, I think with Soto, you have to, Soto is a long-term investment. He's not just like, let's get me over the hump this season. I understand Castillo's years of control, but that's a move for this season. You get Juan Soto for two and a half more seasons. You try to extend him. This is a generational type talent. So I don't think they're necessarily comparable in that regard, but I, I do know the Mariners were definitely in. As are the Rangers. The Rangers made a pretty competitive offer, but, um, you know, at the moment, I, I think we're looking at probably one of the California teams if it happens, or St. Louis. Um, for Soto, I mean, I think kind of just to pivot there, I understand it hasn't happened yet, but he's kind of what's, he what's held up everything with the deadline. I know things are going to start progressing. We're probably going to see Montas in the next couple hours. If even then, it could, could happen sooner. Um, I think with Soto, you know, you're giving up, and if you're the Cardinals, you're going to have to probably give up the three players you probably don't want to the most, which is Carlson, Wynn, and Walker. You'll probably have to give up all three of them for Soto. And to be honest with you, I don't know if there's a possible way you could lose a Juan Soto trade. There's a very – I just don't see a world where that happens, you know. And I'll turn it to Casey or Casey, do you kind of agree with that that idea? Like, can you – is it possible to lose a trade for Juan Soto at this point? Not if he's healthy. And the and, you know, perception of it will still be right and that it's just bad luck if he's not. Uh, here's the thing about Soto too. Everybody concentrates on whether or not he'll sign long-term. Like take example, a team like the Mariners, they've got the all-star game next year. If you have the two stars of this year's all-star weekend hitting lefty righty back to back in your lineup, the year of the all-star game, they'll make enough money. That's worth 10 times the prospects they would have traded in a Soto deal. Even if he never resigned, this is a guy who brings money because he's going to bring people in the ballpark. He's going to put you on the map. He's going to put you on national television. He's going to take a team like San Diego if he goes there. And Manny Machado is, look, he's a, he's a terrific player. He's not the most well-liked guy in the world and not jumping off anybody's page. Juan Soto is putting you in some prime time, even though you're not the L.A. Dodgers. When you look at the Padres, that's why he's such an enticing guy for them. Plus, with you look at the way Machado's played and if he's banged up and how much so, they feel like they really need to push into the playoffs. For the Cardinals, the interesting thing about Soto is people really don't realize how much, and, and I was, look, I remember being covering the World Series in San Francisco, and I think it was, I want to say it was the year against the Tigers, and it was a Verlander-Pablo Sandoval game. I'm pretty sure it was when Oscar Tavares died. And people don't realize how literally you could do a 30 for 30 and that entire franchise has still been chasing outfielders and trying to fix what they lost and what at the time was the best prospect in the game by far. Um, they would love the ability to, regardless of how O'Neill and Carlson have looked, and by the way, that took too long because they didn't play O'Neill every day. They'd love the ability to put Soto as a left-handed bat between Goldschmidt and Arenado. The idea of those three guys is just absurd. The question becomes... 
even if Soto doesn't sign long-term, because for me, for St. Louis, I don't think he would. You have a lot of money that is out there. Look at Arenado and Goldschmidt, what they're getting paid. You're not going to be able to afford. They, it's the Cardinals. They're not affording Juan Soto. You're doing it for two and a half years. Do they have enough pitching for that to be worth it, where they can beat a team like the Dodgers? In my opinion, I'm curious your take. Right now, Juan Soto or not, there's no way the Cardinals are better than the Dodgers, Mets, or Braves. I would be almost shocked if anyone other than those three teams ends up in the World Series for the National League. I just think those three teams are so much better than everybody else right now in the NL in terms of October, especially if Walker Bueller is healthy. That's the question. Even if Soto goes to the Cardinals or Padres, I don't know how they're going to beat any of those three teams. I really don't. I would pick Atlanta, New York, or LA with Soto on San Francisco, uh, St. Louis or San Diego. I would pick them to lose a series against those three teams, even with Soto. I don't see how they'd be as good. Yeah, I personally. agree with you. Uh, about the Cardinals, but I think for the Padres, if you add a guy like Soto to that lineup, obviously Tatis will be back soon, it seems like. And so that's a huge addition as well. Obviously adding a top five to 10 player in the league on top of Machado, who's already playing like an MVP candidate. You add Soto to that lineup, you've got three top 10 hitters in the league at the top of your order. And then um, obviously you fill it out. I was talking about this with um, with a couple of people earlier with the whole Padres lineup, like none of them are like standout superstars, but um, you look at a lineup with uh, guys like um, Cronenworth and Voigt and Kim, and these guys are all above average hitters at the very least. And it, you can fill out a lineup. And then obviously that pitching staff, uh, you look at Musgrove, Darvish, uh, Manaya, and uh, obviously Snell hasn't been great for them, but he's still a solid arm. And then I'm missing one, uh, but now they have Hater, and that's certainly, yeah. I mean, that's a monster upgrade. Uh, Hater's a huge upgrade in Big the bullpen. And then the starting line, uh, starting rotation, the last guy I'm thinking of is uh, Clevenger. And so then you fill in that lineup. I definitely think that that's a team. You get Soto. Even without Soto, you get uh, Contreras and Hap, which is something that's possible. It's looking like a deal with the Cubs where they get both of them. Uh, I think you're looking at a team that actually can contend for a World Series. Um, depending again on Machado, uh, if he's healthy or not. Yeah. Well, look, it'll come down to also, I mean, they're in a way better position having, you know, Bomel there clearly as the guy knows what he's doing when you get to the postseason, where they were not equipped to do that with Jace Tingler when he was running that team. You know, the, the question that I have is you Darvish in the postseason, And I, I, I was there and watched him implode, you know, if, if he comes out of a game, but Clayton Kershaw, pitch one of his best efforts in the history of his career in a postseason after Darvish gave up five runs. He gave up one hit, I think it was, over four scoreless innings, but it was way too late, and they already were done. Darvish in the postseason, outside of one start in the NLCS that year he was brought over, has been a mess, and I think he's very hittable in the postseason, and I don't think it had anything to do with stealing signs, just my own opinion, being there. That's an issue. Snell, to your point, hasn't looked great, but he actually has stepped up in the past in the postseason. They're still, they're all unknowns, but you know, Joe Musgrove has never been a game one starter before. It's not an easy thing to do to just walk into that spot. The Braves experience from a year ago, we're talking about the Walker Buellers, Max Scherzers at the Groms healthy of the world. You're right. Certainly there's an opportunity. I don't know if I'd power rank them ahead. It doesn't mean that they can't beat those teams. I think the question is for me in terms of the Padres, when you're not winning a division and you're dealing with the new wildcard format, I don't think we realize just how much deep into water your pitching staff is going to get dragged before you ever see the big boys. And those big boys are going to have layoff you know, problems, maybe lose a game one, eight, nothing because of that. 
But if you're talking about a five or seven game series and you're trying to work yourself in, think about how many innings the guys you just mentioned already will have used where teams like the Mets or the Braves and the Dodgers, two of those, will have literally not been touched with healthy arms just waiting for you. That's going to be a problem for a wildcard team, big time. Yeah, and, and I mean, with the Potters specifically, like we're, we're looking at a team and and that, that has kind of... They, they have really good pitching, but like a couple of them are, you know, Clevenger and Snell are mainly like wild cards. Like if they're at their best, you know, they're, they're some of the better pitchers in the league. And when they're at their worst, it's rough. They can't, they don't have any control. And, you know, for what it's worth, I was told that um, the Potters have definitely been looking around to maybe trade Blake Snell for a bat. Um, I'm not, I'm not really sure where that's at now because they've kind of, you know, immersed themselves with Hader and now Soto. Um, and even if they do have Snell, I'm not really sure if we can rely on him to start. I think he'd be a much better reliever at this point. Um, until you can really have some time and, and kind of adjust some things mechanically. But, you know, if you're rolling out, you know, what the Padres have right now in their rotation, I'm confident they'll definitely win a wild card series. But once, like you said, once you get to the Dodgers or the Mets, I think they could beat the, the, the Braves too. But the Dodgers or Mets specifically, I think, are, are just far and beyond better teams um, than, than the Padres. And if they add Soto, I think that definitely changes stuff. But it's still not going to probably make it better. Than, I think they'll be better than the Braves for sure, but definitely not the top two um, kind of consensus NL teams. And that's not necessarily a knock on the Potter. It's just, you know, the Mets, like I said, if their rotation's at their best, it's going to be one of the better rotations we've seen in, in quite some time. And if the Dodgers are the best, at their best, we already know what the Dodgers are. So it's like, you know, can... It, it, that's why the playoffs are such a crapshoot. Like, when, last year, believe it or not, you know, going into the playoffs, I made a playoff prediction, and my one note was like, I see any team here winning. Like, any team here could win the World Series besides the Braves, and what do you know the Braves? <laughs> like, it's so funny looking back on that. Because, you know, I didn't realize how much of the crapshoot, how much uh, the playoffs are. And I still don't believe in the Braves as much as other people do. But they've got some magic going on. You know, they've got the, they've got the island and, and, and they're cooking some stuff up over there. I'm sure we'll see a, a press release for the trades soon because they don't have any leaks. Um, so, uh, yeah, you know, I, I think uh, it, it'll be interesting to see how the NL plays. I think the AL is more cut and dry. You know, you have your top two teams and it kind of falls off from there. Not that they're bad teams, but, uh, I mean, the AL Central is weak. The, the AL West. The AL has two teams. They're, yeah, it's, it's the Yankees are going to play the Astros in the LCS, and I'm not looking forward to it. To and that's going to happen. I mean, it's, it's look, I, you know, I I remember covering in 2010, and I've seen a lot of the, the Strasburg year with the Nationals. No one was supposed to show up. I always talk about this every year, but never was it like people don't realize or remember because so long ago. How you mentioned great rotations, how amazing the Phillies pitching was in 2010, and how great that team was. No one was supposed to show up. The Giants didn't even win the division until the final six days of the year. The Padres were in first place. Cody Ross was off waivers from the Marlins, and Marco Scudero was 107 years old. Yeah. <laughs> and Javier Lopez, who they got from the Pirates in a small deal, who was eight up lefties. Ryan Howard and Chase Utley just could not hit him in a short series. Cody Ross went crazy, and the Phillies went home. So to your point, it's like anything can happen. All the stuff we're talking about on paper, it makes sense. And I don't see any – the American League, I literally would be shocked if anyone other than the Yankees or the Astros play each other in the ALCS, but you never know. I mean, that's the crazy part about baseball. We know it won't be the Twins if they face the Yankees because if they face the Yankees, they're going home in three days like they seem to do every time. But uh, I, I think it'll be interesting to see whether or not, to the point you were making before about Seattle's pitching. And then, look, the Rays are interesting because they do – the only thing that they have that no one else in the entire league has, and not even the Mets have two games of the Subway Series, they, they have something on the Yankees. The Yankees lose to the Rays all the time doesn't matter what the records are all the time. They've lost to them in the postseason all the time. You know, as a Yankee fan, they have. If the Rays play the Yankees in a postseason, they won't be nearly as good a team, 
But I wouldn't be shocked if they beat the Yankees because they seem to always step up when they play them. It's not the ownership the Yankees have over the Twins, but the Rays over the last five to seven years have owned the Yankees in big spots. That's something to watch if those two ended up playing each other at some point. Yeah. I think you could say that about a lot of teams that have done well against the Yankees the past few years. I mean, the Red Sox are one of them. Obviously, they're they're completely falling apart the past couple of weeks. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do at the deadline. Uh, we heard that Bogarts will be staying, but uh, it looks like J.D. Martinez might be on the move, depending on what they can get for him. Um, I think the Red Sox, like a few months, maybe even a couple months ago, we were looking at them as one of the hottest teams in the league, and they could be players in the AL, but it just doesn't look like that anymore. Obviously, Devers going down is huge, but their pitching is just so bad. Um, you look at like Pavetta and and uh, Evaldi are like their only starters at this point right now. Um, I, I think they're going to have to figure that out pretty quickly or else it might be the end for that core uh, with Bogarts' impending free agency and the same goes for uh, for Martinez. So we'll see what happens there. But uh, yeah, I wouldn't, like you were saying, you'd be shocked if the if the Astros and Yankees don't meet in the ALCS. Um, I agree to an extent, obviously, they're the two best teams in the uh, in the AL by far, but at the same time, anything can happen, especially in a three or five game series. Obviously they won't be playing the three game series because they'll be the top two teams in the AL, but even a five game series against a team like the Mariners or the Rays, I think they can make a little bit of noise, but we'll see uh, what happens in that and the playoffs when they actually come. Yeah. Yeah. Let, let's, uh, let's talk about another, you know, we, we touched on this a bit, but like Josh Hader. So Josh Hader signifies more than just like a big bullpen arm on the move this is a first place team who in this trade appears to be selling, even though they're not necessarily selling. And I understand the process for sure, but Casey, I, I want to turn it to you. You know, how do you feel about the direction of where the Brewers are at, especially with this deadline with them looking to add, but also subtract too? Evidently. Well, I, I think here's the thing. If it was any other team, and this is where back of the baseball card track record of organizations matters. Because I remember the year where the Brewers picked up Jordan Lyles and Drew Pomerantz. And I was like, really? That's not enough. And both those guys, I think they gave combined give up a run the rest of the season. They yeah, were brilliant. Both good. of them. I mean, it was like we all made fun of it. And it was they knew more than we did. So, you know, David Sanders has done a really good job with this kind of a thing. The thing that I, I was mentioning to people right after this deal happened. Part of, of what this is, is that we have to remember, and I think, you know, you could argue, look, to me, there's a trio of, of closers that are by far, in my opinion, the best in the sport. You've got one who is sitting there in, in Cleveland. You've got another one in, in City Field, and you've got Hayter, right? But Devin Williams, you can make a case, at times has been the best reliever in baseball. Most teams don't have, oh, I could go ahead and trade Hayter, but I've got a guy who can go now immediately be one of the best four or five closers in the game from day one. And they've got depth with other arms, Rogers, Boxberger, others there as well. So I think because of that, it enabled them to do a deal. But they're really good at trading one guy yeah, and getting three right. darts to mean, throw it a door. I don't interrupt you, but the Yankees acquired Trevino and Montas, according to Jack Curry. There um, you go. Understanding the deal is wall the Chuck. And I, I broke in this a little earlier, so I hope I got my credit, you know. But uh, my understanding is the deal is wall the Chuck, Medina, Bowman, and a fourth player. I'm not entirely sure yet. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but... No, don't interrupt me. I'm, I, I, look, I, when they lost out on Castillo, this was the guy. So the question is, how much better do you think they are? I think, I mean, to be honest with you, man, I, they also got Luchavino, who's a very solid reliever. Um, they're a good team. Uh, and, and to get Montas as a two-starter, and this is so much more personal for me than the trade itself, not because I'm just a Yankees fan, but I don't know if you're on Twitter, uh, you know, whatever. But 
Yeah. So, I mean, with, with, uh, with Montas, the two starter, you're going to have Severino also. Uh, I, I think that's a three headed monster and nobody wants to, you know, fuck with, to be honest. With you. And you also add that, that really good back end of the rotation and you could throw some of those guys in the bullpen. So it's going to be pretty great. Yeah. I, look, they're a way better team and, and you need swing and miss stuff in a postseason. I mean, contact pitchers don't do well, and never they never do. Montas yeah. got the kind of stuff that you can get out, and when you add in, you know, a reliever, and that's why they went and got a reliever specifically. Forget about just the control, but who's got a quirky nature in the way he has a delivery? They they are specifically looking for guys who can miss bats when they face teams like Houston and lineups like that in the postseason. It's a really good move for them, big time. I mean, that's huge for the Yankees. Obviously, you. Uh... You get the rotation now. You go into a playoff series. You're going Cole as your ace, obviously, a guy who's proven that he can pitch well in the postseason. Obviously, he didn't last year, but that's only one game. Uh, in Houston, he was a great arm for them. Um, and then you go Montas and, and Severino. And, yeah, obviously, like Jack said, like no one wants to mess with that. That's a that's a starting rotation that can win you a World Series, um, obviously, especially with that lineup. So, Huge deal for the Yankees, especially since they missed out on Castillo. You knew that they were going to be the big players for Montas. Um, it'll be interesting to see what the A's actually end up getting, who that fourth player is. But um, I think for now, like, it's a great move for New York. And you'll love to see it for a team that's been, you know, as much as I hate the Yankees, uh, for a team that's been kind of failing the last few years to actually put it all together and win a World Series, it seems like this might actually be the year. I know that that's said every year during the regular season, oh, this is the year for the Yankees, this is the year. But, um, you know, they're better this year than they have been in the past, and I think that that, this only further strengthens them uh, going into the playoffs. Yeah, they they also, they, not to discount uh, Trevino, I expect them to add another bullpen arm, even though they've already added two, another one. You know, you saw Clay Holmes yesterday give up a three-run home run to to give up a game. And look, he's been great. When you take a guy into deep water who are pitchers who have never been through this and that kind of pressure, and you're in New York and you're doing it all season, it may take until the second half or until September. But that guy starts to go. You don't have a backup plan. Aroldis Chapman is your sixth inning guy or whatever the heck he is at this point. They, they can't take those kind of chances. I would not be surprised. I actually expect the Yankees to add. It's all about darts at a board because even if you go ahead and you trade or have too many guys, th- that's a great – it's the old uh, having two quarterbacks. And what do we do? We always say, oh, how are you going to deal with that? And the next day, one goes down. The Yankees need to add as many back-end relievers as they can because they have to figure out what they're going to use with this bullpen. they got a lot of young arms and guys who have been really successful and have great stuff. But it's different when you can't trust a Chapman at the back end and don't have that now. Even a guy who we know failed in the big spots, but still his role as Chapman. He had won a World Series in Chicago. If Holmes is going to get tired, you're going to start to use him too much. Let's go back to Josh Hader. You go back to the year that Canable was hurt, and he came back a little too late. And Josh Hader was terrible down the stretch and in the postseason. He was really bad because he was exhausted. Because they had to use him over and over again. You go to Kenley Jansen early in those Dodger years with Don Mattingly, he was exhausted. The Yankees, in the way they've had to use guys like Holmes, they need to add the Trevinos and as many of these guys as they can. I wouldn't be shocked if they had another reliever or two before the deadline. And then the other thing that I uh, that just got announced is that the Astros have acquired Trey Mancini from the Orioles. Um, it'll be interesting to see now because they were big players for Josh Bell. What will happen there? But, I mean, obviously Mancini from the Orioles, a uh, great bat to add to that lineup. They needed somebody. Gurriel has not been good for them this year at all. Uh, Mancini can fill in at first base, uh, obviously, with DHing um, Alvarez. So he probably won't get to play at that much at DH. But 
we'll see what happens. Uh, that's a huge deal for the Astros, who always seem to make like these little these moves that kind of fly under the radar. Like it's not being talked about as much, but uh, it's a it's a big deal for them to add another bat like that to their lineup. Um, if you guys have anything to to no, I was just saying, to your point of Guriel, it's the right-handed bat they needed badly. So you don't want Mancini to play in the field really anywhere, but, you know, you could you could throw him at a – he's not Alvarez level in terms of – I could throw him into left field if I have to, use him at first base, make defensive replacements. It's about getting his bat into the lineup. It's a sad situation for the Orioles fan because not because of their selling, but because he's been such a great heartstring story for them. So I know it's going to be difficult to, you know, you never know when the goodbye is. And I know he's been kind of seemingly bowing after every at bat and all of that. So, you know, sad for the Orioles fan, but I think where it kind of has dominoes guys in the deadline, the Mets were very heavily involved in Mancini. This is a really good thing for the Chicago Cubs. The Cubs have been trying to deal with the Mets for days. I've been saying since, I don't want to say I'd be surprised, but as good as I felt about Montas and Yankees and Cassidy, David Robertson is going to end up on the Mets. Yeah, that has been a match since like day one. Yeah, <laughs> you know the only yeah. problem the Cubs have had is they keep trying to throw Contreras in the deal. They're trying to make it way bigger to get one of the. They want the Mets to give Vientos or one of their big time Mauricio to try and get in a deal with the rental, and the Mets don't want to do that. Making a Robertson deal for the Mets is easy, but this helps out the Cubs because the Mets now have another first base right-handed bat that's off the board. Right, they were looking at obviously Mancini's a DH. Josh Bell is a guy where they haven't been able to match up with the Nationals, and the thought has been maybe the Nats don't want to trade in division and give Bell to the Mets. CJ Crone, I don't know where he fits in this category. There aren't that many other guys. Contreras being a right-handed bat, being a guy who at catcher certainly would upgrade the Mets, this helps the Cubs big time. Is there another one, Jack? We have another. The return was also correct, by the way. Sears, Waldachuk, Bowman, and Medina. So uh, I better get my respect, man. But anyway, sorry. Uh, No worries. So, uh, no, I yeah. think we're talking about the Contreras Mets thing. Um, you know, obviously I'm a Cubs fan. I don't know if you guys know. I mean, obviously Jack knows this, but uh, I don't know if you know this, Casey. I, I don't know if I said it earlier, but we're looking at obviously last year we uh, had a deal with Baez to the Mets, right? And uh, Pete Cromstrong was the return there. It seems like the Mets just don't want to do that again, where they give up a guy for a rental who ends up being you know a top 100, top 50 prospect in in the league right now, and uh, Crow Armstrong, he's only getting better. He's still a couple years away, uh, probably 2024. But uh, it doesn't seem like Mauricio or Vientos is going to be on the move uh, just based on what the Mets are looking at. But obviously, that's what the Cubs are looking for in a return for Contreras. Um, I'd say this new front office for the Cubs have do- has done very well um, from a trading perspective the last couple of years, just looking at the returns they got. Um, if you look at the their top prospect list right now per pipeline, it's it's Davis and Hernandez who have been, uh, who they signed, obviously. But then three, four, and six are the guys they got back for Baez, Rizzo, and Bryant. Um, and so then, I mean, you look at that type of deal. And then obviously you go down a little more and you see all the guys they got for Darvish. Um, they've kind of replenished their farm system through trades um, from all the guys from that core of the 2016, 17, 18, those teams. Um, and then training these last couple guys, Ian Happ is a guy who I think they'll probably get more for than they will for Contreras, unless they trade them together, um, which we'll see what happens there. Which Houston, trying. They, the Cubs are trying a lot of combo deals because to your point, they're really trying James as much as they can to, to bump the value of 
even if it's not numbers, one, it's quantity for them. It's, it's, it's quality. It's not quantity. They're looking right. for in return to your point. They'd rather go trade three guys and get Vientos. If that's the one that they're after, then go ahead and trade you know, like the Brewers just did and go get three guys in return. The Cubs are looking to get high end. They haven't been able to get it from the Mets. And I spoke to somebody today who said the Mets have been really like start saying, we're not going to do it, but the Mets need a bat. Now, the Red Sox are trying to get the Mets. Every team's trying to engage the Mets to give them their bat that they don't want. The Mets do not want to give up a top five prospect for J.D. Martinez. That's for sure. And the Red Sox are trying to do that. But I do think that the Mancini name, the Mancini was the, he was the easy one the Mets thought, well, if we don't get these other guys, we'll just get him. Because they have what it takes to get that deal without it hurting them. Mancini going off the board, this makes it interesting for J.D. Martinez, Wilson Contreras, Josh Bell. The Mets have to get a bat. And now Mancini's off the board. If you would have asked me yesterday, I would have told you Mancini would have been the guy the Mets got. So it'll be interesting to see what happens now. Yeah, I mean, obviously last year the Cubs went for quantity rather than quality. I mean, obviously right. those guys, you know, PCA, Alcantara, and Killian are, are risers in their prospect pool, but uh, they weren't at the time when, when they were acquired last year. Obviously this speaks to how well they did with these trades, but they weren't these top prospects that they are now a year later. Mm -hmm. um, but now it seems like they're really trying to get this guy who can come in, you know, the top of their farm system, Davis will be up probably this year, if not next year. Um, but the rest of these guys, you know, they're a couple years away. They want to fit that timeline. It seems like so that they That's can right. build a new core and they want a guy who I think that they look at as a chance to be like the superstar, you know, the, the guy who can kind of come in and be one of the top players yeah. in this new core. Right. And uh, they have the assets to get it done. It just depends on whether these teams are willing to budge. You know, I've seen Robert Hassel's name thrown around. That's a that's a top prospect for the Padres who uh, could be in a in half deal. Obviously, Hap is a year and a half guy, uh, similar to Castillo, where he has a lot more value than a rental like Contreras. So we'll see what happens there. Um, obviously, Hap's bad. Uh, he's an all-star, can play all three outfield positions. Um and he can play the infield if you really need him to. Uh, he has in the past. So that's a guy with a lot of value. And it seems like his trade market is kind of dependent on Soto, especially with uh, the Padres. Like, we'll have to see what happens with uh, the Soto deal before teams pivot to Ian Happ. But, you know, as a backup, he's not, you know, it's not a bad second scenario for most of these teams. Obviously, uh, you don't want to see him trade to the Cardinals. That's probably not going to happen. The Cardinals are kind of going big. Uh, for Soto, don't count the Yankees out. But it seems like yeah, the Yankees, the Padres. Don't count the Yankees out because that's yeah, the team. I, I was you, told you, you mentioned, when you mentioned Hap, the first team I think of is the Yankees. You got yeah. Stanton's injury. They already want to keep the two big boys off their legs. You've got a situation where clearly Gallo, they've 86th at this point and is off the reservation. But Donaldson doesn't seem to be a big part of the plan anyway. He's kind of just a glove there. They definitely have enough at-bats. And the Yankees have loved players like in that in the past where they can bounce around. Remember, they got DJ LeMayu for his first two-year $20 million deal. They didn't even know what position they were going to play him at yet. They just wanted him in there. Hap is absolutely the first team I think of that I think would, to, would make a, a great fit. And I think he'd help. He he could play every day for the Yankees in three or four different spots based on how Booney wanted to use him. The Yankees absolutely are a team for Hap for me. Yeah, I agree. Um, but I, it seems to me like the Padres would also be a great fit there. I don't know if they're really in on him. Um, I think that we're more likely, as a Cubs fan, obviously, we're more likely to get the return that we're looking for from the Padres. And um, 
than the Yankees, especially if they add Eric Hosmer in the deal, which seems like it's a possibility where we can get more prospects to take that money. Obviously, as a big market rebuilding team, there's really no reason not to take that money. Um, and yeah, he'd be have- great in the room with the kids, too, by the way. I mean, Hosmer is a good guy to add when you've got a young team that's got to figure it out. You think it's just he's a throw where you have to take the money. But I guarantee you, you'd have a bunch of kids sitting there for the year plus that he's there saying what an impact he made just because he's a guy who was with a young team in Kansas City. He knows what it takes to win. He'd be a good guy to have around anyway, even though clearly it's a money dump. It's better than Patrick Corbin money. At least you get something out of it. And the other thing is that Hosmer's deal isn't like Corbin's, where Corbin has another like two, three years left. Hosmer's expiring, I think, after next season. It's after next season, yes. Yeah, so um, obviously you'd have to pay him, but, you know, like if you're bringing it, you're not going to get him without bringing prospects in for him. Like he has negative value on the trade market. And so uh, that's a guy uh, we've been talking about this Cubs fans have for a while. Um, just as like to kind of help the rebuild, it seems like it's actually going to come to fruition. It might. And if it does, you know, that works out pretty well for us. Um, but obviously we dealt with the Yankees this morning with, uh, with Afros and uh, Wisniewski, who I think that's a solid deal for both sides. Obviously uh, Afros is a rookie reliever, but uh, he's, you know, he's kind of reshaped his, his pitch mix. And obviously he's now he's a side armor um, and he's been really good this year. He's been a workhorse too. He's uh, I think he leads the league in appearances. Um, and he's a low ERA, but I think for the Cubs, you know, this is the second deadline in a row where they're kind of the biggest sellers on the market. Um, and I think they're, I mean, it looks like they're probably going to do pretty well again, just based on what the reports have said. Uh, Jack, if you have anything else, obviously we touched on, um, Mancini, but, uh, Josh Bell is the other interesting first base bat, uh, switch hitter. I think he's another year and a half guy, right? For or is he a rental? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, he's a he's a rental for Josh Bell. Oh, he's a rental. Okay. Um, but I, I mean, it seems like the Nationals. You were talking about how the Mets don't want to trade within the division with the Nationals, or the Nationals don't want to trade with the Mets. But I feel like that's more of a Soto thing than a Bell thing, uh, especially because Bell's a rental one year, like half half the season. Like the Nationals don't aren't really worried about Bell terrorizing them. Shouldn't be. They whereas, should, like you're right. They, they whereas like be. Soto, you could look at it like you're trading him the Mets. The Mets are going to extend him. They have that money. It's not like the Cardinals where it's like, oh, they're getting him for these two, this two and a half years. Like if the Mets get Soto, they're getting him for the long haul. They want him for his entire career. Um, and they'll dish out that 15 year, $500 million contract if they need to, uh, to get him uh, locked down. You know, they did it with Lindor um, and it's, and they did it with Scherzer. They've spent a lot of money and they have, clearly no reservations in spending more no there's more co- they're going to extend nimo it may it may even be before the end of the year he's going to be the, one of the next ones they they, alonzo, they are like, not planning on letting any of the guys there do alonzo they are going to lock those guys but to your point that's why and after that i'll let you guys finish up because I, I gotta i gotta run actually but yeah. I, I i'll say this about soto you know in the off season remember there are a lot more teams that could play on him because if I'm, you mentioned Boston, what if they're able to get rid of J.D. Martinez's money? And what if they're able to get rid of some of this stuff? To your point of Juan Soto, 
this is an investment, not just the next two seasons even, but who could change your franchise. Red Sox ownership has loads of money. They could spend it wherever, however they want. And the last time we saw the chicken and beer, remember, they spent a one off season, didn't work, but Carl Crawford and Adrian Gonzalez seemingly like a billion dollars to get these players. Red Sox have tons of money. The Texas Rangers would be a team in the offseason to jump in. Ben yeah. attendees of rental. If the Yankees lose Aaron Judge and he were to sign – Guess where the first place they go to go give all that money the judge wouldn't take and don't have been attending in left field. Juan Soto back in the mix would be the Yankees, even though they're not now. I would not be surprised at all, at all, if Soto does not get moved at this deadline, but gets moved in the winter instead. It doesn't seem like he's going to get traded uh, just like from what's going on here. Like, you know, it seems like the talks have kind of stalled out with most of these teams. Obviously, you guys know more than I do. Just but It's just because it's not enough, James. To your right. point, it's like. As you said, like, what value is equal for Juan Soto? It's really tough. Like, you look you at can't. the Cardinals, you got to look. Like, Walker, top seven, top, I think he's seventh prospect in the league. Uh, when, I guess, Gorman, Carlson, those guys, I don't know if they, I think they're kind of reluctant to trade Nolan Gorman, but, you know, it's it's Juan Soto. So. Right. Do you, right? I mean, like, that's the way I look at it. It's like, we all love, like, these prospects. And look, it's it's fun. They're like stocks. They're never good. None of these guys we mentioned, and even like, you know, we, we think about, you know, Alvarez, when I think about the Mets, it doesn't, none of them are Juan Soto. They're never going to be at no point in their career. We're not soothsayers. None of them. We could all guarantee they're not going to be Juan Soto. So. And they still got two full seasons, right? Even if it's done at the end of the year, that that to me is I, I'm with you. I, I don't think he's getting moved. I don't think they're going to get what they want. I think in the offseason at winter meetings, it you could have eight teams bidding for him. Why would you want only three? Right. And like you said with the Red Sox, I think your microphone cut out there for a second. But it did. Yeah. Uh, like you said with the Red Sox, um, you know, we saw them. They let Mookie Betts go. Um, and that's another guy like you don't see a guy like Mookie Betts very often. He's probably the second best player of our generation uh, behind Mike Trout. Obviously, Soto might be better than him in the long run. Um, uh, he's better now, but like, who knows if Soto ever puts up the numbers Betts did in 2016, 17, 18. Right. Um, but they let, they let a guy like that go. Right. And so you don't know if they're really going to be in the push to give another guy 300, 400 million dollars, even 500 for Soto when they refuse to do it for their guy. Right. Mm -hmm. But, um, I mean, you look at how often, how often does a guy like Soto really come around? Um, it's, it's once every few years at best that a guy will come up from the minors and look like this. I think the, like, maybe Julio Rodriguez is that guy this year, but there hasn't been a guy like that last year, the year before, like Soto came up in 2018 and there hasn't been a player to come up since him. Who's close to as good as him. Um, you know, obviously Rodriguez is, is great and it's early on him, but he could end up being that generational guy. Uh, same goes for Acuna who came up the same year, but um yeah i mean soto's a it's a tough it's a tough deal for the nationals because you can't just trade him just to trade him like uh -huh. they're if they're going to trade him they're going to get an entire farm system from a team and you've got like 600 uh, jack said this last episode and it might be even more now looking at the castillo deal just based on what the mariners gave up for a guy like him uh obviously it's a different market outfielder versus starting pitcher but uh, Soto might be six of top 100 prospects in one if if you're looking at it that way and maybe a proven major leaguer as well young controllable guy like Nolan Gorman right from the Cardinals or like uh, 
I don't know if the Padres can really do that because their guys are probably Tatis and you're not trading Tatis or Soto, but like, um, yeah, that, that, that offer in the off season might look better than it does now. And even then it's still a possibility that the nationals just pony up the 500 million, 12 year, 13 year deal that Soto's looking for. Especially with new ownership, especially with new ownership. I think we probably, we don't know the new owners at all. They are, but they come in, they're like, we'll get Soto all that money. Right. Right. So, and I and I apologize, Ed. Let me run only because I I gotta bounce around. But we'll yeah, uh, no we'll while you guys finish up, we'll do this again. And um, you know, let's uh, I the only because I got a Yankee fan on here. My whole family are Yankee fans except for me. Oh, that's so I, I deal with this crap for my whole life. So LFGM, and you got Casey on your hat. So I feel like we're already like you know. Yeah. I mean, come on. I like I like the, the hat, you know. But anyways, so, thank you so much for joining, man. We're gonna end it here. I feel like we saw. Give Casey a follow on Twitter at Casey Stern. Give me a follow on Instagram and Twitter at MLB Nerds. Give James a follow on Twitter at James Valentinas. It's been a deep drive, and we will see you in the next episode. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.